there's a note above his laptop that says avoid giving Grant credit. Give me a break. You guys lost. Just deal with it. Don't give me this. I'll tell you how injured I am. Let me let you know. I'm gonna stand up on both legs and tell you. With that, we are underway here at the Dummy Room Podcast, a Minnesota United leaning MLS podcast that may mention the USL from time to time. I am Alex McCracken. He's Grant Hirschberger. The Bucks, man. They did it. I feel like I have to start off the show by giving you a nod there. We're both from Wisconsin. I I couldn't care less about basketball. But if I'm going to like any team, it's going to be the Bucks. I know you, on the other hand, ride or die Bucks fan. How was your day today? You know, I, I think, and I want to make this very clear. This is not a shot, but a moment of solidarity, right? I think a lot of Minnesota fans will understand this in the sense that I woke up this morning after the Bucks won the NBA championship and I legitimately felt like there was a catch or like tomorrow somebody's going to be like, oh no, just kidding. They have to go to game seven. It's not done yet. Like I, I didn't believe it watching it last night. And I was messaging you, Alex, obviously throughout it and, you know, shared some very intimate details of how much I was crying during uh, Giannis's post game <laughs> speech and whatnot. But truly it, it didn't feel real for a second. Like, I, I think a lot of people can understand this. Seeing the Bucks lose in painful... Fa- I mean, so I went through the period of, like, Giannis's first year where he, we were, uh, I think it was 15 and 57 or something. Like, just atrocious. Year after year after year of just being bad. And then Giannis starts getting good. The team starts getting better. And then we just have the playoff heartbreaks where we had the best record in the regular season and then we you know kicked out first round second round of the playoffs and so to finally see it happen i i was so used to the bucks letting me down that i just i couldn't wrap my head around it for the longest time but today you know uh Giannis alex alex is not Giannis. Alex brings it up. Look very I'm wearing, similar, though. Yeah. I'm, same you height, do look a, same yeah. body type, you know. Yeah, very yoked. Yes, <laughs> you know, just dominant on the court. Exactly. Anyways, uh, I woke up this morning, finally accepted it. Alex acknowledged it because I'm wearing my Bucks shirt right now because I, I couldn't help myself. But here's the deal. I've had some people comment on my uh, Twitter account that, you know, looking forward to a Minnesota championship, and we are all actively rooting for a wild championship i'm a packer fan so i can't root for vikings like i'm a bucks fan so i can't root for timberwolves but i would love nothing more than back-to-back minnesota wild and minnesota loons minnesota united championships which Which, is the perfect transition yeah i mean you talk about the uh the story arch there of uh following the bucks and here's hoping you know minnesota united can can do something similar um, a good step towards that happened on Sunday. Going to the game, we were, uh, I should say Seattle was 7-0-1 against us. We'd never beaten them. We had tied them once, um, and they had beaten us seven times, obviously. Um, and they had also scored something like the last seven goals, which I suppose makes sense if you go back to the comeback and then how the season started. Um, we talked last week. You said a 1-1 tie. I said a 2-2 tie. Neither of us were hopeful we'd get a win. 
Um, I went to this game talking with people, you know, at the at the at the bar beforehand and in the concourse. Um, the feeling was definitely if there was ever a time to do it, this was going to be it. You know, a depleted lineup between injuries and call ups. They had something like four people on their bench, and two of them were teenagers. Um, definitely a depleted squad, but still got the win and still beat Seattle for the first time ever. Um, so I was riding high, and here's hoping that you know propels us into the rest of the season and it's all downhill on a bicycle from here right you would hope so you would hope so i think you know going into this game there was no reason to lose we absolutely had to get three points especially considering you know calling it what it is seattle was missing a lot of key players and i want to take a second you know pre-game or pre-game review, whatever you want to call it, um, and just acknowledge the fact that, like, Brian Schmetzer has done a fantastic job coaching this team with significant impact players out of their starting lineup. So, no shots. You know, I wouldn't trash talk Seattle for this game. Normally I would, because I actually actively dislike Seattle, which should tell you how much... I'm, I'm trying my best to give them, like, real credit, which is it was a 1-0 victory where Seattle was playing, like, 16-year-olds. Like, we joke about Fred Emmings, but genuinely, they had kids in, in their sub-bench where they aren't even through driver's ed yet, you know? And they're being expected to, like, come on and potentially make a game-changing difference. Um, so, you know, credit to Seattle. They are a good team. We had to win this game. I wish we would have won by more, but this is kind of a result that it's a win for both teams. Seattle lost their winning streak. That's a bummer, or undefeated streak, I guess. But they did it with none of their starters available, or, or I guess well, they had like four. Yeah, they had Ruby and they, Diaz, and yeah, they had a. I mean, they. I've heard a lot of the Seattle fans have given the old like, well, yeah, oh, you had to beat us with, with Tacoma, whatever. And, like, yeah, obviously we're aware of who we beat. But at the same time, that's kind of part of the MLS. It's like every once in a while you have to put out a squad that's not your first. Uh, And, I mean, they didn't have – it's not like a – I mean, I've seen worse lineups on just, like, midweek games, I feel like, too. I mean, you still had Rui Diaz. You still had Brad Smith, who went off, you know, a little bit earlier than typical. Um, You still had Kalen Rowe. You still had Jao Paulo, who has been – I mean, he is – I always forget how good he is until we have to play him. Um, I think Madranda plays a, a, a typical role in their team. Um, so, like, come on. It, come on. Give me a break. You guys lost. Just deal with it. Don't give me this, like, well, you only beat us because of this. Um, but at the same time, on our side, I think I am keeping it a little in perspective that we did beat a depleted Seattle squad at home in in what ended up being a, a late a late goal. So uh, I'm not going to give uh A late Seattle goal fans. by whom? It's weird because he doesn't ever really score late, so... We're going to talk that about point. that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll wait. But before this even started, we heard that <laughs> after last week's San Jose match, uh, you know, if you listen to the Sound of Loon podcast, Callum mentioned that um, I wrote it down. One or two things were said in the locker room uh, was his quote from uh, the Sound of Loons that happened before the Seattle game um, in reference to players calling each other out for the effort or the quality um, I love to hear that, you know, Grant, I, I shot you that, that quote as soon as I heard it, um, you know, coming out of that, that San Jose game and you hear something like that, how, what does that make you feel about, about the squad and, and what's happening in the locker room? 
you know, without knowing exactly what was said, I'm we're both totally speculating. Like, and that's what we all have to do, essentially, until we, you know, finally get our secret uh, microphone plant embedded into the, the light system or something. But, you know, realistically, I'm assuming it's things that people are trying to push each other to be better. And, and that's the biggest part of this team is that we are a good, high-talent team. But we're not playing to the best of our abilities. And I would love to see this team continue to push each other and have these expectations that we have a real, real quality number 10. We've got a real quality striker. We've got two great wingers. Actually, more than two great wingers. We've got three or maybe even four if, if you want to, you know, count Justin McMaster's potential. And, oof. you know, I... Oof. The, the, the burn on Finley on that one was just evident. Well, okay. All right. I want to make this very clear. Great, not good. And Finley is good. But we are all, I think, in agreement that Finley, understandably so. Alex, you just cornered me into the worst topic. I, <laughs> well, you I were like, you. you were like, maybe four if you want to count. And I thought you were going to say Finley. And then you're like, Justin McMaster. <laughs> which is... Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Five. Let me just wrap it up to five. And uh, Finley is included. No, I, I think Finley is understandably getting older and slower. And that's not an insult. Um, I'm old and slow. And I'm younger than Finley. So, like, the fact that he's playing so well. And he's a smart player. He's a good dude. He's a great influence on the locker room. You know, we like Ethan Finley. Um, but, yeah. So, okay. Whatever. You cornered me on that one. And I forgot my <laughs> original point at this point. So take us away. Where are we at? So I was, yeah, and I, I have to imagine that probably was about Abila. Um, you know, maybe it was on Ray. Ray looked like he was really working a lot harder this this game. Um, but I was happy to hear that at least we weren't just, like, going letting letting that type of stuff go unnoticed. Um, they called off the, you know, the vacation, which we talked about. Um, but, yeah, Sunday, happy to see Baki Debasi back. Um, which meant the back line was DJ Taylor, Brent Coleman, Baki Debasi, and Chase Gasper. Um, Dotson and Trapp starting. No Jan, no Ozzy. Uh, before we go to the rest of the lineup, what did you think of that uh, to get us going? Well, if you listen to Extra Time, um, Trapp is not the ideal midfield partner, which <laughs> drives me up the wall. I know, you know, we have to change our intro line to that may mention Extra Time from time to time. Because honestly, it is bonkers how little like attention they give to certain games. And so, for example, you know, Alex had been uh, tweeting back and forth with some extra time guys about, you know, they were saying what can we do better. And Alex said something on Twitter about how, you know, could you have at least one person watch the whole game of every game? You know, that makes sense. It's your full time job. No big deal. Whatever. And they said, oh, yeah, we do that already. And Alex and I both collectively on Twitter said, no, you don't. You absolutely don't. And to that point, the undefeated team, the Seattle Sounders, lost to the Loons, an underperforming team that has been an upstart a little bit. That should be like a big-name game. That should be interesting to you. You should have watched that game. It was also and the people only got, game on Sunday. It was the only game on Sunday, and and they still got the people involved in the buildup wrong mm -hmm. still like there's no, you should have it in front of you period 
even if you didn't watch the game, but if you did watch the game, you would know better. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't remember where I was going with this. How did you where feel was about trap? Uh, uh, oh, the trap, yeah. The so trap the, dots they, and combo versus they were Jan and or Ozzy. Right, right, right. They were dissing Will Trap. And that's the funniest part about it is that Will Trap has been actually a very influential part of this team in 2021. I mean, he's been a very, very helpful part of building our offense out of the back because that's clearly what we're attempting to do. So, um, you know, I think Trap and Dotson is our best midfield pairing. Yeah. You know, Dotson is a Tasmanian devil in the midfield. He just comes, he wrecks something for their team. He makes something happen for our team. It's awesome. He has really taken a step forward. Yeah. I mean, and to your point about extra time, they questioned why Jan Gregush wasn't starting. Um, they're like, mm, kind of an interesting storyline there, which I think anyone who's been following even peripherally Minnesota United, you would be able to know that Jan Gregush this season has been dismal. You know, I mean, he didn't play for Slovakia, which I mean, whatever. He didn't play for his international team. That's not necessarily like a, a dig on him. But I think that if you've even been slightly paying attention to Minnesota United, you've been seeing Jan's minutes drop and Dotson's go up and Dotson's performance be much better. Um, I was excited to see I don't Dotson. know if I would say Jan was dismal. I would just say I, I think Dotson has been that much better. I think Jan has been very, like, average okay but he hasn't been an impact player, whereas Dotson has been a significant... You see his effect on the field, box to box. He's just got that energy. Yeah, if you're not someone who typically goes back and rewatches matches, um, this is a great one to do it. It was on just national broadcast ESPN, so it's very easy to get back. You don't have to <clears throat> avoid local blackouts. So go back and watch I thought watch that was about to be a, a dig on me. If you're not someone who rewatches matches, you would think that. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> But if you're us, somebody who's uneducated, you, yeah, you'd think that, Grant. Us intellectuals. Uh, no, this is a great one to go rewatch because you don't have to worry about the blackouts. You can just go and, and access it right away. And, yeah, I mean, if you're going to do that, I would say keep your eye on Dotson, keep your eye on DJ Taylor, um, and keep your eye on, uh, unfortunately, some of the some of the turnovers that we now so had. Uh, but I want to keep moving for now. So we, we're both in agreement that I think the you know Dotson and Trap combo in the middle um, was something I was excited to see. And then we see the front four again that we've all been waiting for. Um, you know, obviously, Fregapane, Emmanuel Rosso, Robin Lude, and Adriano New up top. Um, another great game to see them. They're finally all healthy, working to get com- comfortable with each other a little bit better. Uh, but obviously, as the game unfolds, you know, I think in the first half, we didn't register a shot on goal. I took a temperature last week. Um, on, on how we were feeling about things. And, and during my rewatch, I had sent you a bunch of videos, um, and there was a chance early on, especially for Adrian Unu, where he, he tried to kind of one-time it as it rolled into the box and got it almost as wrong as you can get it. Um, still early, but how are we feeling after another match of seeing those front four up there? Well, I think, so you're seeing um, the benefit of chemistry. So... We're still feeling out who does what, whose role is what. And I think that's the the advantage of last year. We had Kevin Molino, who was very obviously the second creator next to Reynoso. So if Reynoso was getting fouled or extra attention, Kevin could kind of build out of that left side and make something happen and somebody could score. Or Robin Lude could, um, you know, get in the mix with Metnir. Metnir would move forward. 
This year, I think we're still trying to figure out who goes where, who does what, and what happens when player A takes the ball up versus player B. So, you know, we saw Fragapane make some really, really great penetrating runs. Um, I know especially in the first half, there was a couple of runs where at speed he's dribbling through two, three people in a big old cluster and still getting past them. And so as a fan, just a quick pause there, that's super optimistic to see. That ability right there is so beneficial to what this team needs. Alex, did you notice those Fragapane yeah. dribbles? Yeah, I had written down to that, that Fragapane had another just amazing game. Um, whether it's his speed, he's actually working really well with Chase Gasper in terms of, of their communication, which I was kind of worried he would just be like, who is this you know, effing kid who like can't figure out how to pass me the ball. You know, he's coming from like Argentina or whatever, like to playing with like alongside Chase Gasper. But they've actually seemed to have like a hey, pretty good relationship. Put respect on Pedro Gasper's name. All right. <laughs> they seem to have like a pretty good relationship. Uh and and they're kind of working together well and and for me, yeah, Franco has been just a, a huge piece for us. And I think he's one that hit the way we hoped he would. I mean I think only Emmanuel Reynoso and maybe Darwin Quintero, you can say came in with a level of hype and just immediately hit the ground running with like boom making an impact i mean he's the first player in minnesota united history to have a goal or an assist in his first four matches like right away he's making an impact and every week i look forward to watching him play um and it was really fun to actually get to watch him play in person on sunday i mean tell me if i'm being too dramatic alex but he's literally a younger better faster Kevin Molino. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that's the craziest part is I I was on record last year saying a healthy Kevin Molino is one of the best players in Major League Soccer. And I genuinely believe that Franco Fragapane has the ability and he's already shown the effect that he could be better than Kevin Molino and, and probably will be realistically. When this team understands where everyone needs to be and what their individual roles in an offense are, especially, and this will be probably a talking point later, but especially when Reynoso is getting additional coverage or attention, you know, who's going to take the ball up the side? Who's going to take the ball up the middle? This team is going to be a lot of fun to watch, and and they already are. I mean, besides the fact that we had 11 shots and only two of them were on goal, both by my boy Robin Lude, but we can address that later. I'll keep waiting. I'll be patient. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, I before he even got here, I, I, I said I could see him being a Diego Rossi esque player in the in the terms of him playing a huge role in our offense in the way that that Diego Rossi plays a huge role in LAFC's offense, um, where he doesn't almost even feel like a left winger at times. He feels like a, like a second forward. Um, but we were in the middle of talking about how we're feeling on the, the front four, uh, two games in, and we got sidetracked on, on Fregapane. So um, why don't you pick it back up where you left off, Grant? You would have to remind me where I left off. Well, you left off on Fregapane. Uh, talking about, you know, yeah, we, we've it's, it's the front four, and, you know, it, they need to be cohesive. And after only two games, I think we need to keep our expectations in check in terms of what realistically we can expect out of out of four new players all learning each other's tendencies and um, and and how they kind of work well together. But at the same time, there's some stuff that I'm I'm already frustrated with just in terms of like you know no no shots on goal in the first half. 
Um, we feel I feel like we see countless runs end with, you know, both you know Fregapani and Lude cutting into the middle, and Ray and you know Unu catching themselves caught, kind of everyone on top of each other, and there's just kind of no creativity, um, and you know which is leading to, to you know no shots on goal in a whole half. Absolutely, I I think, you know, just judging from the eye test right here. So this is going to be a classic dummy run podcast um, analysis where I'm mostly going with my gut feeling. Um, but I think a lot of the problem is we have two inverted wingers and then a striker who's trying to find space and then a number 10 who's dragging a ton of attention around himself. So you have two wingers who want to get inside. You've got a striker who's already in the box and then you've got a number 10 who commands a ton of attention and you're just packing that box super full and so we need to find ways to spread the field back out and and that may eventually lead to us playing more of a traditional winger role which is you know maybe keeping some of our guys out wide a little bit um, similar to like a 4-3-3 or something like that where we're just kind of staying out uh, more towards the sidelines to get space because I do not have any concerns right now about Adrian Unu. I, I actually think he will get in form. I think he'll find his touch. Um, right now, Franco Fragapani is playing out of his mind. I mean, he's got, per 90, uh, a goal or assist minus penalty kicks, like 0.91. That's second in the entire Major League Soccer. So he's doing great. It just comes down to, you know, what does this team want out of their offensive pieces you know what do we want robin lude to be doing what do we want adrian Unu to be doing and you know i don't know what heath's plans are but the the players on the field have to find their role which I, i'm sure they will you know I, i'm sure they'll they'll get it but yeah yeah and i'm not ready to obviously ready to kind of pull the plug on anything you know it's been it's been two matches um and i, I think you know, say what you will about no shots on goal and obviously that's not great but at the same time you look at what Seattle had shots on goal and it was like Rui Diaz shooting from like 22 yards out and it kind of just like went to you know it, I think there's maybe one one challenging one in there that really was was close um so it's like okay well it's just shooting at it randomly any better no I think that if you watch some of our one-two passes and and getting as we as we go to attack the goal you notice it's just an inch late or there's a little bit of miscommunication or and it, and when you're playing that quickly it just it just takes the smallest little thing to kind of slow down that run enough for them to recover and so I'm still feeling like if things just click a little bit better you know we we're right there and we are um you know could start putting away like crazy because we had the talent, right? I mean, that, that front four, I think you could argue against almost any front four. Um, if they're playing the way that they could, you know, I, I think that it could be the strongest one in the league, hardly close to. I mean, I give it like legitimately two more games before this offense is clicking better than a barbershop quartet. Like we are going to be real. Yeah. Yeah. Laugh at it, Alex. You know, that was a good one. Uh, we're right there. We're on the precipice of an offensive breakthrough. I, I truly, genuinely believe that. Mark it down. Um, I do think that Adrian Unu's um, inaccuracy right now is very interesting just because he was so accurate in Ligue 1 uh, over in France. And so I wonder if part of it is just the additional physical. So there's obviously 
100% more quality over in France. Totally get that. I think there's a little bit more physicality mm. in America in Major League Soccer. You know, I know Premier League is, is kind of the peak of physical and quality, but I think Major League Soccer surprised a lot of players. It surprises a lot of new players coming across the sea. So, you know, Adrian Nunu, I think he's going to play very well against the Timbers. I'm ready for this game on Saturday, but, you know, he did not have a great game against the Sounders, mm. unfortunately. And it's not just him. I mean, we are ranked last in terms of shots on target in the MLS. Um, I believe I heard that on the, the, the broadcast this weekend. So it's not just him. He's definitely uh, not helping the cause, but... It's discouraging because you want it to be better, but it's also like it, it seems easier to fix. You know, if those start clicking, you just you're off and running. It's not it's not like we're not creating. You know, we're we never have the ball or we're not in their offense the third. Uh, it feels like something that that if it just starts falling and as they get working together better, um, it could just really click for us. Something. Well, that- we're we're not just last in shots on goal. We're last in differential between goals minus expected goals so like we're expected to score we should be scoring at a much higher rate and we're just not in addition um you know i tweeted from the the dummy run podcast account a little while ago that reynoso is across the entire major league soccer reynoso is number four in progressive passes so passes towards the goal in the right direction he's number two in shot-creating actions, so he does something, a pass, a nutmeg, whatever it may be, creates a shot. And then third in Major League Soccer for passes that specifically lead to a shot, and then second for completed passes into the 18-yard box, which the only person above him is Carlos Heal for New England Revs, who is playing out of his mind. Um, But if you're completing passes into the 18-yard box... That should be translating into goals. Realistically, it just mm-hmm. should. But his ex- his assists minus expected assists, he's in last place because he's his teammates are kind of letting him down. I mean, he really has been playing very well, and the only reason he's not racking up assist after assist is we can't finish yet. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about that. He's not, you know, he's not the arrow. He's the bow. Um, and I think that you and I do a little disagree this year on his play. I. I do obviously look at those stats, and you can't deny them. Uh, he does. He's been having way too many turnovers, either in our half of the field or very near it, and that's what that's my frustration with him. There was one, especially this last match, that was uh, was really bad, where it was just kind of being passed back and forth around like 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 Debassi and Coleman, and you know, kind of setting up, shaping, you know, seeing how things come out. And he came back to get the ball, and they, they gave it to him kind of inside the circle, and they were still both standing there to, to be outlet passes. And instead of kicking it back to one of them and just going around the player that was in front of them with the ball, he tried to beat him, and he lost the ball. And they were going back like an, an, you know, a three-on-two opportunity. And those are the ones where we don't need him to be trying to beat that man. If you're like, yes, a number 10, you know, you want them to be the guy who's trying to beat a guy that will then open up the play, you know. Take on this guy instead of passing it, and then you're through, and we have a couple on runners, and like those are the things, whatever, 20, 30 yards out, do your thing. But when it's in our own half, and there's not really even any like play that would develop if you were to beat that guy, that's where I'm getting really frustrated with him. Um, I thought he had a lot more hustle this game. There was a couple defensive plays where he, you could tell he was 
really putting his back into it to make sure he helped out. But there are still those those turnovers in non-threatening er- or you know in areas where beating that man isn't necessarily going to bring us some type of offensive threat that I'm starting to get very frustrated with. I mean, I think that's very fair. I think that's very fair. I, I think Reynoso's problem, you know, if you want to call it a problem, is that I think his mentality is that if something's not working, he's going to put it on himself to try to get something going, get the wheels moving, get the gears turning. But in reality, the problem is that other teams are so cued in to the fact that he's, you know, the the talisman, he's the guy who, like you said, the bow who fires the arrow, that you almost don't want him to put the whole team on his back because maybe you should just be moving the ball away from yourself and get the attention away from yourself for a little bit. And then once, you know, the defensive midfielder, the six, the the center backs kind of fall asleep on Reynoso, that's when you get back involved. Yeah. And I think Reynoso wants to do too much too early. And it's like, you know what? Maybe just get up the field. Let a Will Trap or, a, you know, Baki Debasi or whomever bring the ball up a little bit. And then you can get involved higher up the field. So I, I, I agree. I think that's yeah. very fair. He had one really good free kick that just, just barely went over. Um, just barely but I actually again I don't mean to pile on this is just another thing that I have written down here is that uh, his corners frustrated me a lot this game I mean how many I think almost every single one of his corner kicks um, went right to Cleveland or at least Cleveland was able to come out and get them I don't know how much of that's on him and how much of that's you know whatever they they but, but when you watch when you watch Fragapane's corners we actually played were Seattle not Cleveland so. caught by Cleveland I know I was just oh okay <laughs> <laughs> when you watched, hey. hey, when you watch Fragapani's corner kick from the left side, he, I think he had the the two or three that were most dangerous, um, and, and most of Reynoso's seemed to be caught by the goalie. Um, they're, they're very like high and lofting, and kind of land in the six, which I feel like if you're gonna do that, you have to have them more out uh, by like the penalty shot. Whereas Fragapani was, they were still kind of deep, but they were more rifled in, um, which is the one that Bakidabasi almost, where he got his head on it and almost went to the back post. Um, something else I feel like we do need to give respect where respect's due. Brent Coleman. Is Robin Lude. Oh. oh, well, we always, this is basically oh. the Robin Lude podcast at this point. The, uh, a Robin Lude leaning. Yeah, we could do a whole segment on just Robin Lude and Daryl DK. That's our whole podcast. It's just exactly. how much we like those guys. But Coleman, man, he had a pretty good game. I don't think I saw hardly one mistake that jumped out to me from him you know i think number one being is that baki debasi did an incredible job on raul ruiz diaz i mean he really played super well against ruiz diaz to the point where i mean i don't think ruiz diaz had more than two good shots on goal i'm about to look at the stats right now but to your point like you're saying not stalling or anything but i'm stalling uh Rui Diaz had three shots, two of them on goal, okay? So, all right, for that guy, that's a pretty good stat line. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's that's pretty good. Coleman did play very well, and I think we've kind of had the same stance on him for a while now, which is he's not your ideal starting center back, but he's fine in a pinch. We got a huge benefit by the fact that they were missing a lot of starters 
And if they had their starters, much like our opening season game, um, we probably would have been punished for that. Mm-hmm. But we did fine. He did fine. Uh, he's not like garbage. He's a you know league veteran minimum whatever priced player who's not taking up an international spot and you know not begging for more money. So great, you know. So last week we said. Put Brent, uh, put Montgomery in there, not because Coleman's bad, but because you know we know what he is. He's not the future. At least Montgomery could be the future. Maybe it's a, a lower floor, but a higher ceiling. After this performance, do you still feel the same? I do, but not as an insult to Brent Coleman. More so in the sense of, I'm somebody who you have to be progressing as a team and you can't always just loan players out and assume that that's how they're going to get better for your team. We need to see Callum Montgomery and Nabi Kibunguchi get playing time alongside Debasi or alongside Gasper or alongside Metanier. Like We have to see how they operate within this team to see if this is a viable option. Um, I think Brent Coleman is fine in an emergency, but I would like to see some more time uh, given to our younger center backs. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it definitely is hard. It's hard after watching that performance to say, like, he shouldn't have been starting or he shouldn't be starting. Um, I mean, there was a first, there was a moment in the first half where an, an awkward ball kind of came came high, in, and he and um, he was he was kind of arm fighting with Ruri Diaz. Uh, he did a great job, and you know I was on that half watching, and it was very impressive and very solid defensive play. So it's hard after that performance to say like, well, I'd really rather the young guy starting who may have screwed that up. But I'm kind of with you. It's I mean, look what uh, look what we saw with DJ Taylor. I mean, he this is his second start, and he's been better every single time he's played. This last game is definitely I think his best performance. He was nearly perfect. Um, you know, it's funny actually the. The through ball that Lude got fouled on, which we'll talk about later in the second oh, half. Oh, we will talk was about Was actually, uh, it came off of a, a pass from DJ Taylor over to Debassi that he just kind of stubbed and did not get there. And Debassi had to run up and just kind of clear it or from the on-rushing Seattle player. And that ended up being a perfect through ball to Robin Lude, which, of course, Debassi would pull something like that off. Um, but other than that, DJ Taylor had almost a perfect game, I thought. I think he earned something like three or four corners. Um, he was all over the defensive half and showing his speed and confidence and working really well with you know the various different front four players. So when you see something like that and you see someone like Montgomery not even getting a shot to, to make it out there, it is hard. Um, and I think I'm, I'm definitely, as I, as I seem to usually after a game like this, uh, feel less strongly that Coleman shouldn't be out there. Um, but you never know. You know, he, he's a player who has been around a lot and gotten a lot of chances, and he's never really earned himself a starting spot over more obvious starters. And I think that's because even when he has games like this, there's always one around the corner where he's going to have some howler um, that's really going to hurt us. So I, I think I would still like to see Montgomery. Um, but what did you think of DJ Taylor? Oh, man. It has been a beautiful revelation and more empowerment towards USL that we should be rating the USL lockers for for better, uh, or at least for quality depth players. But DJ Taylor has has been uh, a, I don't want to say serviceable because serviceable seems 
almost like an insult. Like, you know, yeah, you hung in there. I thought he was one of the better players on the field. I, I honestly thought he... I keep calling it the Met near role because it's such a offense and defense contribution type spot at that right back position, how Heath wants those players to play. Um, I really, really think DJ Taylor has been a great pickup. And when Metonier comes back, I still think Metonier takes the starting spot, not as an insult to DJ Taylor, but as Metonier's prime, and he was playing very well before he left for France, um, you know, his prime, he's still in it. He's still playing very, very well. So no insult to DJ Taylor, but it's good to know that if anything happens, if Metonier gets injured or if he decides to go back to France or anything like that, we've got a good backup right back. Yeah, and we talked about not saying Rui Diaz's name. Brad Smith plays a huge part in their offense. I mean, he's kind of one of my go-to fantasy guys because he usually gets an assist or or a chance created or something like that, um, which as a defender, obviously, is, is great. And he was, I mean, invisible, basically. I mean, DJ Taylor had two or three times where he read a pass and was there before Brad Smith was or stepped into a slot. Um, yeah, super impressive. Again, it was really fun to watch him play. Um, one of those he especially... He had a good breakup and clearance. I don't know if it was the first half or second half, but it was like a really good goal-scoring opportunity for Seattle, and he just came in out of nowhere yep. in speed and cleared the ball out. Yep. And I'm doing the Italian. It's beautiful hands. That... Yeah, he, he really did. And th- there was a couple of those that happened um, on the side that we were standing, and I got to watch him kind of read that play and move into the position before it really happened. Um, and it's it's one of those things that kind of sucks that he's going to probably – you know, find himself with a spot when Metonier's back, um, and with DJ with uh with Ka- with Gasper playing well, I don't see him getting moved out there. Um, so he he'll likely kind of go back to the bench, which you hate to see for a kid who just had two 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 good performances like that. But I mean, obviously, we're not gonna you know let Metonier lose his spot. He might not be fit yet. I mean, he hasn't played a soccer match in what couple a month or two i mean he because with the break and then missing games i mean i'm sure matinee will be you know working back on getting his fitness so i wouldn't be surprised if we see dj taylor uh for a few minutes here and there while we get back up to to match fitness but um it seems like the end you know it's an it's inevitable end where he he ends up back in the two spot i think so as well i think um you know dj taylor has played some left back so it's an opportunity there but, um, you know, I would assume that Metonier comes back and DJ Taylor probably gets one more game while he's kind of getting up to practice and match fitness because I mean, he's over in, in Paris right now doing his green card stuff, so I'm assuming he's not playing f- full games of soccer. I mean, maybe right. he is. I... Well, he is, he is back in training this week, we know. Oh, but he, he hasn't okay. played games, obviously, yeah. You're right. You sent me that. That's right. That's right. So um, I could see, you know, one more game going to DJ Taylor, but I think as DJ Taylor, your mindset has to be really optimistic that you've made a really good impression to the point where if Metonier or Chase Gasper slip, DJ Taylor is just a no-brainer fill-in for both of them. I mean, you're first up, which isn't a terrible place to be when you're 22, 23 years old in Major League Soccer. For sure, yeah. I mean, another great game from DJ Taylor. I think we were both hopeful on his performances before he got the chance to play. Seeing him play, it's been super great. Um, and we, we we talk a lot about the defense. We've had so many injuries and changing. But, I mean, at the same point, like kind of how we started the show, like 
we got to score goals. When you look at our, our goal differential, I mean, we're, we're minus three. And we're one of only two teams in the playoff picture with a minus goal differential. And the other team is Portland, who's directly behind us at minus four. Um, you know, we when you look at our, our goals per game, we've allowed 16 goals in 13 games, which is, I mean, basically a goal and a half, less than a goal and a half a game, like 1.23 goals a game. So while as much as we talk about our defense, because the turnover changeover we've had, turnover in terms of player turnover, not turnovers, at the same point, you got to score goals. I mean, losing losing how many games we've lost, one to nil or like two to one, like at a certain point, you can only ask the defense to do so much. Um, really great performance by DJ Taylor, but again, it's kind of start time to start um, start stepping things up a bit more on offensively. Believe it or not, that's just the first half we've covered. We haven't really gotten to the specifics of the second half, so we go on a halftime nil nil. Um, again, no shots on goal for us. A few for Seattle that. Um, we're we're kind of lame if if, if we're remembering correctly. Um, right away we come out in the 46th minute. There's a situation that definitely could have been um, a penalty kick. It ends up just being a corner, um, which is also super threatening. And that's where Fregapane gets his second clearance off the line. I think that this is just his his sweet spot. It's he's the guy who clears goals off the line for us. I mean, he might be small in stature, but that dude is massive in front of the goal. Like. You know, who would have thought our 5-6 hero just being massive at the point of attack or point of defense, really? Yeah. Yeah, so huge from him. Again, we, we come out in the first half and almost give up a goal, which is, is kind of our 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 move these days. Uh, we're negative, our MO. Yeah, we're negative five um, goal differential in the second half which is basically last in MLS. Um, and we also haven't won when we when they score first. So it was a very watershed moment that um, we, we got away with one, kind of, it feels like. Um, and realistically, like I said, that very well could have been a corner, or sorry, could have been a penalty um, in the, you know, what led to that corner for them. Um, which, speaking of penalties, we skipped over the Adrian Anu penalty call in the first half off of Debassi's through ball. Um, he Debassi hits a perfect through ball to Adrian Anu. He runs into the box, and it looks like he has a good chance to play the ball, and instead he kind of goes over. Um, there's penalty shouts. You know, they don't they, they look at it in VR but don't go to it. Um, Boxall was on the radio broadcast because he wasn't playing, obviously, and apparently he said he wished that Adrian Anu would have just stayed up in that moment. I tend to agree. Uh, do you remember that play, Grant? Do you have thoughts on it? I do. I, I think it probably was a penalty. I think so. <laughs> but, but, but you know, I'm. So I mean, anytime we ask each other these questions, we're obviously biased because we want it to be a penalty. But I, I didn't see any play on the ball. I didn't see anything like that. And I honestly didn't see Adrian Unu go to ground that easily. It wasn't like they brushed his side and he just flopped you know we've all seen we've all seen Neymar right you know he just he gets a tiny bit of contact and he just drops to the ground right um Mo Salah you know both players who are talented and get fouled plenty but they're also very quick to drop to the ground I thought he he had real contact that wasn't ball oriented in the box it should have been a penalty in my opinion but you know 
what are you going to do, right? Like, we have seen situations, if you're in a game where people don't go to ground, like Romelu Lukaku, for for Lukaku, didn't say that go. right, I never say him right. Yeah, I'll try, I'll try. For Belgium, and, and he didn't go to ground, and he didn't get the penalty, and he didn't get the goal. So it's like, what is a player to do in those situations? I don't really know. You can try to stay on your feet, but is that going to get the goal for you? I don't know. It, it's tough. It was a yeah. really messy situation, and it wasn't great by any means. Yeah, as much as you don't want to be the guy like encouraging like cheating or whatever, again, quotations, uh, there are times where you're like, ooh, buddy, your honesty on that one did not pay off. Because if someone's following you, it's not your job to fight through their foul. In this situation, I do not think Adrian Anu was fouled. Um, I think he went down too early, and I, I wish he would have stuck with it. At least, at least get a shot off. But I mean, with with how you're struggling, like let's, um, you know, let's try and let's try and stick with this play. Um, well, I think was... I I would like to say not every. I'm gonna call it a dive, but hear what I'm saying. Not every dive is the same. Some flops are because you're calling attention to contact that has been occurring. And some are in order just to receive a penalty kick. You know, there's no contact and you're just, you know, throwing yourself onto the ground. And so, to me, cheating is when you have no contact, you're just dropping to the ground. And then not cheating is like you're trying to call attention. You're saying, oh, I've been hit. I actually have been tripped. I have... Wait, what is so what is so funny? I've been hit. <laughs> I've been hit. You know, I don't know. What are you saying? What are you calling? I mean, what that uh dude from Colorado dropped to the ground when he got yeah. punched in the side, you know, so I've where, been hit. Where does this where does this land? I'm in your spectrum of the two the two types of flop. Somewhere For in the me, I think Adrian New actually got hit. Mm. You know? Was it a big hit? No. Was the dude back in Colorado who got punched in the ribs by uh, you know, Ramon Abila? A big hit? No, it wasn't a big hit, but he got hit, and he's right to drop to the ground because that got the attention that led to the red card. So it's complex, you know. I it see makes... Alex smirking over there. No, I he just, just think does I'm not... hit. I'm hit. It's just it's perfect. It what do you want me to like... call it? What do you, <laughs> what do you want me to it say? Makes what you it think is? of like Nick Swanson's character in Reno 911, the rollerblader, <laughs> when he's like sitting on the ground, like I was murdered. <laughs> But but anyways, he was. Yeah, but he was. I, I think I totally hear you on that, and I've I've definitely you know I've explained to people why sometimes it is better to go down. And to your point, if you're calling attention to a foul that happened, I think you're totally fair to do it. In this situation, I think it's a little more. It's a little soft. Um, if you look at the way he goes down, he goes down like he was like being pulled from behind. Um, and if anything, he would have been like elbowed from behind. So. Whatever. We're talking about Unu, right? Because we're not even at the Robin Lude. We're not even at the Robin Lude part, but it was very similar to that. So back to the second half. Um, In the 51st minute, there was a really interesting moment where, like we were saying earlier, the buildup was happening. It happened really well. Robin Lude cut in. um, Fragapane cut over. And Robin Lude went to play a through ball and just did not hit it hard enough and it just paused the whole the whole counter and that's the type of thing i I took a video of it on my phone and sent it to you and said like this is the type of thing that like when these pieces are clicking robin lewd's ball is ahead of him and he's got nothing but space i think it actually might have been adrian anu who had to come back and get it um 
And those are the types of things where when, when we're a little sharper, you know, that very easily could have led to a goal. Um, and that was in the 51st minute. And that's another good example of like, Unu needs to finish the chances he has, but he's also, I think at times, hasn't had the best service. So we can't judge him based on that necessarily. Like strikers are only as good as the service they receive. So, you know, I mean, what, what are we going to do? But yeah, yeah. Robin Lute should have hit that. Hit it. Should have hit it that. Should have hit, yeah. hit it that. And I was just watching the the Anu potential foul. He did go over forward from the elbow in the back. It was a little a little sterner than I remembered it being originally. So I'm not as hard on him as I originally was, but I still wish he would have stayed up there. Stayed up for what? <laughs> to shoot it. To score a goal. To shoot while he's getting ripped down, oh, while he's getting whatever. assaulted, he while fine. that man is getting pickpocketed. I don't know about that, but all right, all right, okay. So we got to give you some credit here, which I always avoid if, whenever possible. Uh, <laughs> we spoke last week about with Alex Ramon. has a note above his laptop that says "avoid giving Grant credit," Just... and I respect it because I'm insufferable when I get credit. <laughs> we talked about what we're gonna do with the subs without uh, Ramon Abila. Um, you know, we speculated would it would we see Juan Agadello, um, would we see McMaster. You correctly said it's gonna be the sub for Nico and you're gonna put loot up top. Um, and that is what we saw in the seventy fourth minute. Adrian Renu comes off, Nico Hansen comes in, Robin Wait, Lude. so is that two moom two moom mo- Dude, you were right there. You wow. were ready to just dunk on me and then you just I was ready to dunk. <laughs> oh, keep it in, keep it in, because I know you're editing this one. Was that two moments where I was correct in like a 30 second span? It was close. It was very close. I think I'm not going to give myself credit for that one. I think Adrian Heath kind of has a pretty predictable uh, subbing strategy. You know, he likes the Aussie late substitution and he likes putting Robin Lude at striker when he's putting on a new winger because he wants his speed on the wings and he knows Robin's going to float to the the you know far post or near post or wherever he needs to be and you know clearly that seemed to work you got it right yeah so that was the 74th minute uh but before that was the altercation between the seattle player and adrian heath what did you think (laughs) of that how that unfolded uh i know the stadium erupted with various chants and then people were you know uh, any any hate for seattle that was already there which was a lot uh was exponentially um more in that moment um, you know, I honestly thought it was really funny because watching it, I mean, I guess I didn't watch it live. I watched it after the fact, but when I was watching it fresh to my eyes, the first thing I noticed was that, you know, number, uh, 98, I think it's Suzoko fell to the ground. Clearly Adrian Heath said something to him and then he popped up right away. And it just felt like one of those uh, Three Stooges, why I oughta, you know, like he was just kind of ready to square up. You know, he's pointing a finger at Adrian Heath's face. And to find out after the game that the reason Sissoko popped up out of nowhere was because Adrian Heath said, get up, you're not really injured. And then he was like, I'll tell you how injured I am. Let me let you know. I'm going to stand up on both legs and tell you exactly how injured I am is hilarious like you didn't think that through at all did you you didn't spend one second being like this is gonna totally jeopardize any claims of being hurt 
you're not slowing the game down anymore. You know, they were kind of trying to do that shithousery where you're rolling on the ground, you're dragging this draw out. Didn't work at all. <laughs> they immediately bought Adrian Heath's uh, poking the bear, so to speak. Yeah, and again, I, I heard that uh, Callum on the, the radio broadcast said he'd never seen anything like that before. Um, and even even as the Seattle players came and kind of got their mans, like they were like apologizing to, not apologizing to Heath, but I think it was Jean-Paulo was kind of facing away from the camera, and you saw Adrian's face react to whatever Jean-Paulo said. I think it was Jean-Paulo. Um, and Adrian kind of gave this, this face like, yeah, like go check on him. Like that was a really weird thing for him to do. Like... I'm sure Adrian Heath said something, but at the same time, like, I think you you just don't really do that, and it was clear that it was like a young kid, um, and good on both of them. I think they they you know they they buried the hatchet when he came off in what was like the 60, 85th minute or something like that, 86th minute I think, um, and then I guess they talked again after the game, just kind of being like, tempers flared, we're fine, but that was a very strange moment. I appreciated Adrian saying afterwards that. He didn't realize how big Suzuko was and that he wouldn't do it again, which was just, I don't know. I think Adrian has a very serious face that he presents to the public a lot of the times. But when he is kind of feeling cheeky or funny, it, it's pretty entertaining. You know, the there was a real moment of, oh, yeah, no, he's like 6'2". You know, that's a big dude. Well, and I think it just goes to like, I think it, I think it shows his character a bit too. Um, I mean, obviously at no point he was going to fight the player, so how big he was would be irrelevant. I think it was him showing, kind of laughing it off and, and kind of um, trying to help. Almost self, self-deprecating yeah, to a degree. Right, yeah. right, helping the young kid who probably got a little heated in the moment probably take some of the attention away from him. And um, I again, I thought it was a, a pretty cool quote um, and a cool moment from Heath showing that he's, you know, even a player who is being pretty wildly disrespectful uh, which again, Heath had some some role in that, but you gotta think that stuff happens all the time, and you don't like go into a, pl- a coach's technical area and start like squaring up with him. Um, very strange. But anyways, seventy first minute. Uh, Quick Nico- question. Yes. In his prime, in in the physical peak of Adrian Heath, how good of a fighter do you think he would be? Not good. I don't know, man. I mean, he's from like the scrappy part of England. I, I don't think he would be good in a sense of, like, hockey terms, but other soccer players, he could probably throw down a little bit. Have you ever watched him, him play back when? Uh, like, back highlight like Everton? reels. Hi- yeah. Highlight reels, yeah. Yeah, Ever, uh, Everton, during quarantine, they did, like, some uh, throwback game that they, they played live on YouTube, and I watched it. He would not have been very effective in, a, in, a, in an altercation, no. All right, fair enough. So I will not pick him for my... Uh, Five aside gang fight team. I would say that's probably probably a pretty a pretty safe bet. Yeah. Seventy <laughs> uh, fourth minute, Nico comes on. Um, somewhere around there, there's there's a moment where where Reynoso gets kind of trucked over, and as he's rolling over and the player is kind of coming over him, he kicks up one or two of his feet, and that I feel like can be a direct red card if they review it. I sent you that clip. Did you think I was being a little dramatic there? Yes and no. <laughs> um, on the one hand, I see what you're saying. You know, you can't, you can't kick up at people. You can't do that. It's not allowed. They say, they say that over and over. They say it. Don't kick up. 
But I also think the altercation that started that whole situation was a player coming from behind on Reynoso. He pushes Reynoso down with a full extension of his arms, zero play on the ball. And so if that ref is going to give a red card or any card, they got to give two cards. It's got to be both because genuinely that player, I don't remember who, but I remember the clip you sent me, that player straight up pushed him down. Like schoolyard bully style, I'm going to rub your face in some dog poop sort of push down, you know? Uh, what's the stepbrothers? Step yeah, the stepbrothers. Yeah, you get you get where I'm going with that. Oh, yeah. we, we, we connected. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I agree. Reynoso can't get that fiery. But I'm somebody who loves the mentality. He's a fighter. The guy wants to fight. He wants to compete. He wants to play hard. And I will always take that on my team. And if he gets carded for it at some point, fine. It's time for Ja'Cory Hayes in the tuck. And I'll take that. That's all right with me. You know? Yeah. But <clears throat> he did get the call. He got, I mean, they, they did penalize the the Seattle player. There was no card, but it was a free kick opportunity. Um and, but, I mean, we keep talking about this. Yes, they're going to follow him, and yes, they need to do more on protecting Reynoso, I think. But at the same time... I actually like, don't get it. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I don't Yeah, I mean, at the go same ahead. time, Reynoso does, needs to do a better job not letting that stuff get it, get in his head because the more that it does, the more they're going to do it. And you referenced the hockey fight earlier. Like, you don't let your star forward get into, like, a fist fight with, like, their, like, second-string defender because, like, the other team is losing much more than you're losing in that situation. So if two 100%. people get a, a yellow card... And the Seattle player is like the second string left center back, and ours is like our talisman DP, you know, number 10. Like one of those things is much more weighted than the other. And Ray needs to figure out a way to be more level headed. Um, or, or maybe, I don't know, maybe someone needs, maybe we need, you know, we've talked about do we need more people coming to his aid and, and getting up in defenders' faces when, when they cheap shot him? I don't know what the answer is, but right now it's not working. Oh, I agree. I, I think. The thing that's interesting to me, so I'm going to take my loons glasses off, and I know no matter what, I have a, a Minnesota bias, but if behind Carlos Heel, you have Emmanuel Reynoso as the second best creator, the second best uh, player who's, you know, building attack, you know, a lot of leagues, NBA, NFL, NHL, protect their star players, and I'm not saying that they have to unnecessarily pay attention to Reynoso necessarily or anything like that. But don't you want to see offense building? Don't you want to see plays happening? You would assume that if you see the second best offensive creator in the league getting fouled and fouled and fouled and fouled again, I'm not saying that you red card everyone who touches him. But you would think some of these tackles begin to get called because even with the benefit of VAR, which VAR fails us later in the game, which we'll talk about, you can see that he's clearly being stepped on. These aren't antics in the sense that he's flopping. He's getting his ankles stepped on. He's getting his ankles kicked. He's getting late hits from behind, late hits from the side. Zero ball is being played. I don't understand how the league is not going... I mean, we have to call some of these. You can't just kick the best creator or second best creator in the league in the ankle and call it good. Like, that's not reasonable. Um, So I'm hoping there's a balance to it. 
Otherwise, and this is my, I'm, I'm going to say this is a dramatic grant statement. Otherwise, the league is going to shoot down the drain super fast. If you don't, pref- if you don't protect and encourage your best offensive and creative players, especially for a league that already has the precedent that, you know, the defense isn't that good. No one's going to want to come to your league that's good and interesting and exciting and creative. They're going to see Reynoso getting chopped, Carlos Heel getting chopped, Zell Rayon getting chopped, and they're going to say, yeah, not interested. I'm going to, you know, break my ankle. You have to protect those players to a fair point. If it's a foul, call it a foul, give a card or free kick or whatever. If it's not, that's okay. But I feel like there's been a lot of missed calls on Reynoso specifically. Mm. Again, because I'm biased, but I don't really give a shit. I am biased, whatever. Yeah, and I almost one time, sometimes I wonder if it's just like a human kind of, uh, you know, a thing that it's it's hard for them to to keep calling them because they happen so often. It's like the way you don't give a yellow card early on in a match. It's just like even or like you don't give a second yellow card. Um, even though they're, the penalties are the same, after you've already called it enough times, you're just like, I'm going to let that one go because I just gave him three. And it's like, well, they're still following him. Um, yeah, I don't know. There, there are some times he goes down but soft. But to your, the, point, the point you're making that you're almost not finishing the, the thought process in is that they keep making the, the fouls because they're not getting called mm-hmm. on them. If you give a yellow, especially because we both talk about this all the time, Major League Soccer hates giving second yellows. The first yellow will come out easy, you know, no no question about that. Second yellow, they can murder somebody on the field, and the ref will still be like, yeah, well, yeah. okay, but he got the ball, he'll though. Give him, he'll I give know him, the like, guy's the, dead. The no more, like, hand signal. Like, you yeah. better not do that again. <laughs> You yeah, know, what's yeah. I forget what movie it is where he's like, call me a little bitch eight or nine more times, <laughs> you know. Uh, but but truthfully, like, there is such a hesitation for that second yellow, especially with PRO referees, you know, the Major League Soccer referee group. They need to start putting their foot down because if they don't, if there's not a second yellow given against a player fouling Reynoso... He's just going to keep getting kicked in the ankles, and and there's going to be no creation, and that's going to be very boring for the league. The league benefits from highlight reels. Mm. I don't know why they don't realize yeah. that. I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm quite as far down that path as you are in terms of protecting. Call it a rabbit hole. Protecting you to call protecting it a star hole. players so that there's a higher scoring game, but I do think that it's fair for for a ref to come into a game with a certain amount of context. And I think that they they fight to not do that, to come into a game and ref it just like any other game. But I think it's okay to say, listen, every game this year, people know that the way you stop Ray is you get on his ankles early and he gets frustrated and he takes himself out. And which is fine. You don't need to give people yellow cards more frequently. But I think it's okay. For hurting someone's feelings. I don't think, I don't think it's, it's bad. I think it's okay to go into a game knowing that. And when you start to see it happen, to pull the captains aside or pull the player who's doing it aside and say, we're not doing that today, okay? Like, yellow cards will start coming because I know what you guys are up to right now. Uh, but it's a delicate game. It's a delicate game. Well, that's reasonable. I think that's very reasonable to, to look at it and go, these are the players that get fouled often. 
hey, look, ca- captains, both teams, look, I'm going to be watching for specific fouls on these players because it's been happening a lot. You know, if you are tackling a player in a fair way, great. You know, I don't care if it's physical. Physical tackles are fine. It's when things that are like clearly a card or a free kick just get passed along because they're like, oh, well, he keeps dropping to the ground. Well, he keeps dropping to the ground because people are sweeping the leg out from under him like Cobra Kai, you know? But there is, I mean, again, you have to also keep in mind that if he's the one who's carrying the ball the most and he's the one who's attempting the most dribbles and all those things, it's he is going to be the one getting fouled the most because he has the ball the most. So at a certain point, you can't just judge it on who's getting fouled the most because if one person has the ball way more than everyone else, obviously they're going to get the most. No, I'm just saying a foul is a foul is a foul. Yes. If it's a yellow card, it's a yellow card. No matter if you feel bad because you don't want to give a second yellow, it doesn't really matter. And that's the thing that you know, I know we're both in agreement of, that Major League Soccer hates that second yellow. Give it. It doesn't matter. A second foul that would draw a yellow card is a second yellow that's a red card. They got to go. Sorry. That's it. Otherwise, players don't ever have any incentive to stop having strong, strong tackles, borderline dirty tackles on any player. It doesn't have to be Reynoso. It can be Vela or Zellerayan or, you know, Nuhu or Ladero. It doesn't really matter. It's just stop this whole, like, oh, we can still get away with stuff. You get away with stuff in the first 10 minutes, and then you can get away with a lot of, you know, post-first yellow card tackles, you know? Well, and let's talk about yellow cards uh, or red cards. Yeah. Because then in, I believe it is the 75th minute, um, we see again that that Aaron, or 79th minute, uh, a bad a, a bad horizontal pass from DJ Taylor leads to Baki Debasi. Just I'm pretty sure he's just booting it. If 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 he knows that he's trying to get Robin Lude on a through ball in that situation, I mean, even even more my hats off to him. I, I wouldn't doubt it knowing him, but um, it's a it's a through ball. Robin Lude gets onto it early, and it is a shockingly clear. Pull down from behind, and what I would argue is dog so as well. What's well, inside the penalty box, and it's obvious also dog so because there's no other defender back. Hold on, Alex, for our listeners who may not know, what is dog so? Mm. It's. And also, what is up dog? <laughs> dog so is denial of a. I always thought it was denial of an obvious goal-scoring opportunity, but that doesn't spell dog so. Denial of a goal-scoring opportunity. No, it's not, because that doesn't spell dog so. Denial. Denial of goal-scoring opportunity. Yeah, Denying. D-O-G. Denial. D-O of G, goal-S-scoring O opportunity. Denying D-O-G-S-O. an obvious goal-scoring opportunity. There's no of. Denying a goal. Denying, yeah. Okay, well, it works out the same way. But so all right, I okay. think it was. So now that we all know what dog yeah, so stands perfect. for, what does up dog right. stand for? Nothing. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> they don't call it in the moment. And here's what we're going to. I feel like we're getting it off on another tangent here. They don't call it in the moment because we can always go back and check it. We recycle the ball for the next minute, something like that. 
and off a really nice play, we end up scoring a goal, which let's just leave that aside for now. Because the goal happened, we never go back and look at it in VAR. At least I don't think we ever went back and looked at it in VAR. But this is in the 80th minute. There's still 10 minutes of soccer left. And the Seattle player should have gotten a red card, correct? So if we're going to leave things happen until the play, let the play play itself out and then Joe check it back, I think you still need to have like fail saves in place where you can go back and retroactively penalize the other team if it's going to have an impact on the rest of the game. It's like, it's like sometimes you see an offsides that leads to a corner, not a goal. But since they would only review it in, in the sake of a goal, they still get the corner. And you're like, well, wait a minute, though. That was offsides, and you didn't call it offsides because you didn't want to stop the play. And if it was a goal, you would have checked it, but since it's a corner, you're not checking it. So now they've earned a corner off something that shouldn't have been a corner. And it's kind of a situation where it's like, they should have been a man down for the last 10 minutes, but they weren't because we scored a goal. So in my opinion, I, I understand that VAR waits for a stoppage, but the play is done. It has now, you know, in the idea of advantage being played, Robin Lude no longer has the ball. Minnesota no longer has the ball. It's on the other team. The play should stop and review. and You should look at that and say, is that something that would consider potentially being a penalty kick or being a red card, whatever it may be? It ended up in our benefit, which is fine, but I still think that's ridiculous. That's an obvious, obvious penalty, if not red card. Um. So, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, you can't have that kind of stuff happening because I know you were just giving me crap for, you know, protecting, you know, the creative premier players. But you can't have that be the standard of, oh, yeah, anytime a player's in our box, we get to just yank him down. We can't do that, you know. It, it just it, the whole thing felt weird to me. I think that there needs to be something in place where if it's if it's a red card situation, that should be able to be handed out independently of whatever the result of the play was. And maybe that was. Maybe it was. Maybe they looked at it and they decided it wasn't because X, Y, Z, and it wasn't going to be. A, you can you. It would have been maybe a yellow card, and you're not going to go back and give a yellow card. Whatever the situation is, um, hopefully they talk about it. Well, but it. let's let's do the thought experiment, Alex. What could you possibly see? And I actually mean this without any type. This is a good faith question. What could you see in that play that wouldn't warrant warrant some kind of card or penalty kick? Like, because right. I I actually don't see it genuinely. So I I do mean that. Why would they not call that? Right. Exactly. Yeah. I. You know. We never saw we never we never even got saw a replay of it in the broadcast. They never went back and looked at it. I don't think. So I never saw what the play actually happened. Maybe they did. Maybe you know. I don't know. I don't know. But it, we don't know. It was a frustrating. It moment. worked out fine, but whatever. it worked out fine, right? And that's kind of like the thing. Like, okay, do we just not? Like, are we being too petty here? Like, it worked out fine. Let it go. Again, I mean, Ray very much could have had a red card earlier if, if they had looked at things more closely. So, um, I don't know. It, it frustrated me that that's the way it ended because we very well could have tied that game and then it would have felt even more, um, you know, off. But here we are. We won in the end. Um, so, the ball gets recycled. And then Nico and Ray and Lude team up for a goal that was very pretty. Um, good hustle by Nico to get back. He, he sends it through to, to Lude. Uh, no, sorry, to Ray, who, who does a good job bringing it down. And then no-look nutmegs the Seattle defender on this perfect through ball to Nico Hansen. 
um, who does a good job of, of kind of doing a cross that's a, that's a, a, a pass, not just booting it into the box blindly, um, that, that finds its way to Robin Lude, who taps it in on the back corner. He's wide open. Um, I was kind of on that corner where he scored and saw the whole thing unfold. And, and from the time that it left Nico's foot to the time that it got to Ray to kick it in, felt like it was like five minutes. It just felt like the ball was going so slow. And you just felt like someone was going to be able to close down on Lude. Uh, but in the end, he's able to tap it in. And he scored in the, the what minute, Alex? I believe that was the 80th minute. 80. So that's within the 15 minutes. I think you said the, 10 the 15, minutes. The last 10 minutes of a match. No, I said 15. 15. Okay. It's, the, it's the golden hour for Robin <laughs> Lude. I don't know what it is. I... I would assume it is Robin Lude understanding that at the end of the first or second half, players are tired, they're losing a little bit of focus, etc. But his runs, his runs to, because they're almost always, when they're the last minute goals, they're almost always, you know, runs to a far post, runs to a near post, etc. He's in the right spot. And so... Moving forward, I know I had, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I had somebody on Twitter ask, um, you know, is he our best striker? I mean, right now he is. I think Adrian Unu will be our best striker, and I still believe that he will be an elite Major League Soccer striker. But right now, Robin Lude just gets where to be. And right time, right place. I wouldn't call that a lucky goal. I would just say that's a savvy run to shade in pop outside, go far post, Nico Hansen looks for him, and credit to Nico. I mean, just, he was running his butt off the whole game um, when he went in. So I, yeah, you can't draw it up much better than that, in my opinion. You could maybe make the cross a little faster, like Alex is saying. We could score. No, to be clear, I'm not saying the cross happened slow. I'm just saying it felt like it happened slow. Um, Alex wants all his crosses to be, like, double speed, full time. And that's it. Got to launch it. 80th minute, we we kind of, you know, the last 10, 15 minutes plus, you know, 10 minutes plus stoppage time, which was five, I believe. Um, you know, they had some chances. We had some more chances. Um, you know, in my notepad, I didn't actually write down anything in the last 10, so I don't think anything too crazy happened. Um, and we well, let's just go ahead home. and we got to win against their backups, which you play the, the you play the team you play. Mm-hmm. So a lot of Seattle fans very salty about, oh, you know, you played our back, whatever, whatever. Like, yeah, I understand it would be a different game with Jordan Morris and Nico Ladero, etc. But that's that's not our problem. That's your problem. So we got the win, three points. Now we move into a very, very juicy game against the Portland Timbers. Well, yeah, but hold up, hold up. Uh... Other before we get on to next weekend, did you watch any other games um, this weekend besides ours? Um, no, no, I didn't actually. I was kind of busy this weekend. So, did you? Uh, what was set? No, I actually didn't either. I was running around all day Saturday, so I didn't get to watch any. I I did my best to monitor based on uh, fantasy, uh, which by the way is just kicking off. We're, we're actually recording this Wednesday. We lied on our Twitter. Um, and the six thirty. I lied. Let's just... call it what it is. I I lied. <laughs> the six thirty games are just kicking off. I'm playing Ari, um, and I just realized that one of my starters is not in. Uh, one of my Red Bull starters. 
I was going to switch them out, but I'm going to leave it. It's a two-week game or a two-game week, so I'm going to leave it. We'll talk about that later. Um, I didn't get to watch. I watched. They they have like that. Um, you know the the weekend wrap up of all the goals that happened in MLS that week. Um, it's like five or seven minutes long. So I watched that and kind of got a, a gist of of what happened on Saturday and Sunday, I suppose. So basically, you watched about as much as the extra time guys watch. I'm not going to say yes, but yes, apparently yes. You can go ahead and agree, because I guarantee you Andrew Wiebe doesn't listen to this podcast. He, uh, he's he got other things to not do with his time. <laughs> but Mason Toy got a brace in a, in a crazy win for Montreal. Um, Hannah, Hannah uh, Mukhtar. Uh, Mukhtar? Yeah. Yeah, got got the fastest ever hat trick in the MLS in like fourteen. Was it like minutes? sixteen? Yeah, it was 14, crazy. Sixteen minutes. Yeah, bonkers. I mean, Good for Chicago, him. right? <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> Woof. God, they've been bad for so long. I feel bad for them. And was was Calvo in? No, I think he's still with Costa Rica at the Gold Cup. Dang. Yeah. Dang. But he did just recently. I don't know in what capacity. If it was Major League Soccer or Costa Rica, he did just recently get a red card, which is pretty funny. Um, so there's that. Per usual. Um, we also learned on Sunday that Chicago, or Atlanta, fired their head coach. Uh, after Joseph Martinez was on the out and not training with the squad, uh, they went and lost to New England Revolution, one to nothing. Um, and then the next day they fired their head coach. Um, since then, as I'm sure you've all heard, because everyone's talking about this, the dude was a friggin' nut job apparently, and like was limiting how much water people could drink, and like was breaking the the, the player association rules in terms of days off. Um, so not super surprising now that you hear all that stuff. But it is interesting that a really good club like Atlanta um, can't seem to find a good coach. You know, it kind of makes you think about other teams where people maybe are complaining about a coach who's, who's done really well over the last, you know, whatever, four to five years. And, you know, maybe they're being hastily calling for him to get fired um, without having a really plan of who would come next. You know, uh, I can't, nothing comes to mind in terms of a team like that, but I'm sure there are teams out there that, that that's probably true for. That sounds like um, almost my level of passive aggression. <laughs> you know, I, I'm really impressed. I'm really impressed. That was good. That was really good stuff. It's funny because we have said this for a long time that realistically to replace a coach, it's all fine and well to say, I think the loons could do better than Adrian Heath. Sure. I mean, this is a global game. There are hundreds of thousands of coaches. One of them statistically probably is better, but you have to find the right balance of meets the locker room, fits the locker room, wants to be here, willing to be here for the right price, willing to come to Major League Soccer. Like, there's all these different hoops you have to jump through, and you have to know that the coach you bring in is going to actually be better than the coach you just replaced. And I think for a lot of players, or excuse me, a lot of people who are Heath out, they forget that there's not that guarantee like Gabriel Heinze was supposed to be a, a a very good coach I mean he was supposed to be that dude who was gonna like crush major league soccer and he very much did not so you can do all the background and assumption I mean this is a guy who played at 
you know, Real Madrid, Manchester United, Paris Saint-Germain, Marseille, Roma. Like, he's played at some of the biggest clubs in the world, but as a coach, he's not that good. And and that's just what it is, you know? We, we've seen uh, Frank DeBoer come in, and he was supposed to be good. And we've seen, oh, wait, another Atlanta United coach. Interesting. Mm-hmm. A little bit of schadenfreude there. But the point being, it's not as easy as just, oh, this guy should be better. Maybe he will be. Maybe he won't. Maybe it'll be a dumpster fire. You don't want to rock the boat when you're on the precipice, you know, when you were one goal away from making made uh, the MLS Cup final. It's just not smart. So I took well, too it's long not even, to acknowledge your point. But, no, it's, and yeah. it's not even really even just on the coaches. I mean, they have to come in at the right time when, you know... It, you know, with him out, he's kind of been building this whole team, and now a new person has to come in and kind of like pick up his like brainchild. And like, if it doesn't fit what they want to do, now you've got all these players who are just signed. I mean, and then yeah, there's just so many factors that go into a coach being a good coach um, that that it's just it's not that simple. Um, but yeah, you know, with with Heinze out, they're definitely going to have to catch up for sure. So. <laughs> That was a Do you pun. know what? I was a that was a poorly oh, placed pun that I stole. You know off what? That was so smooth. That was good. I, I, that was I, good. I had to stop you before you launched into explaining. Uh, you know, off of my just poorly. Well, placed and pun. we don't want to spend too much time like relishing their demise. <laughs> oh, see, that was original. I stole mine straight off Twitter. Gosh, you are oh, just okay. you are a classic. But like lately, Atlanta, ha- like Atlanta has been straight up buns. You know what I mean? Like they've been bad. You um, know. Now it's, now it's too much. Not that locker room was split down the middle. <laughs> like a hot dog bun? Yep. You know? I got you. I'm with yep, you. Just, I'm okay, with all right, you. okay. Just trying all right, my get best me out of here. Help me out. <laughs> so they, they're looking for a new coach. You know, we saw the same thing in Toronto. That was a terrible, you know, a terrible experiment there. Um, we, we said at the beginning of the year, or maybe it was into our four-game slide, that we said we need Heath to get better at in-game improvements. Since we're talking about coaches, the sub and the formation change that he made on Sunday directly led to the goal that was scored. And we've seen him use five subs more often. I think his subs have been a, done a better job of playing a role in the game. Are you ready to say he's, he's started to get better at that? Do you think it's just, was he never bad at it? He just didn't have the pieces? Um, let's get a little status check on how you're feeling about that conversation we had earlier this year. I think... He has been bad at it, and I think he has gotten better at it. He will not admit that. I, You know, he's the type of guy, he's never going to admit it. But I think realistically, you know, he does have some good pieces, but he has had good pieces before. Um, but I, I think he is finally, I don't know what clicked in his brain, but finally he understands, you know, how early we need to make some subs. Granted, he still waits until, you know, the Ethan Finley for Franco Fragapane and Ozzy for Emmanuel Reynoso still came in the 86th minute. I think they could come maybe a tiny bit earlier. But, you know, we've seen him make subs in the 89th minute, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's progress. It's progress in the right direction. And we yeah. talked about it last year when we lost in the Western Conference Final that, you know, Brian Schmetzer outcoached him, which... Brian Schmetzer, Brian Schmetzer, I was just like scatting for a second there, a little jazz fed. I can't talk, holy cow. 
Brian Schmetzer is a very good coach, so to be outcoached by Brian is not um, an insult necessarily, but he didn't make the right subs because he just had tired legs. You know, he had players who had been playing the last eight games continuously, bring some new fresh people on. I think he's starting to get it. I think he's starting to understand what he needs to do, and we'll see as it continues on. We'll see if he can build upon it. Yeah. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I've definitely been happier with it. I'm sure if, if you asked Tammy, you'd say, well, I didn't have the right people before, so that's why I wasn't doing it. Which, uh, okay, yeah, to some degree, I think I agree with that. Um, I think he's also better You had Raheem at- Edwards on your bench all year. He's been playing I'm not for making LAFC. a joke. Yeah. I'm not making it. I- Raheem Edwards, uh, he, made, yeah. he made an impact. Anyways, sorry. No, so I, I think he has gotten better at it as well, though, um, and I've been a lot happier with what he's done this year. Um, last thing for around the league, uh, Busio. Sounds like he's going to Venice for maybe $10 million, joining up with Tanner Tessman of FC Dallas. Uh, we kind of all knew this was coming, right? Like, Busio, I think, was one who was for sure headed overseas, um, and it was probably happening sooner rather than later. Oh, without a doubt. I mean... I love that Busio is getting out to Serie A. I think he's going to flourish there. Tanner Testament was kind of a surprise, um, but awesome for the FC Dallas Academy. Like, they have been crushing it. I also think that Tanner Testament has the most stereotypical and almost over-the-top white American name, period. Tanner Testman. Testman or Tesserman? It's Testman, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Tanner, like, you know his family owns a golden retriever, right? Like, they definitely do frisbee golf. For sure they do frisbee golf. And real golf. You got, I mean, you got to imagine. You're Tanner, looking it up right now, is it? Tanner Tessman, yep. Tessman, yep. Tessman. Tanner, yeah. his brother Bryson, and then his brother Hunter. <laughs> I was going to say, I was thinking Hunter. Colton. Yeah, yeah. The Tessman clan, Karst- for sure. Karsten. Birmingham, Alabama. Oh, that is not surprising. So go. the funniest part is that the FC Dallas fans all make a ton of memes because he was a kicker for Clemson's football team for a while. Really? And he almost was going to be a football guy. Yeah, he was oh. a kicker for Clemson and then left, I think, his freshman year of college and went into pro soccer. Turns out to be a good choice. It's crazy so how some people are so athletic they can just like switch that way down and just be like totally fine. Yeah, whatever. I'm good at everything. Yeah, right. They were saying, who was it that they were saying was a pitcher up until like basically college and like didn't even start playing until older than the age that Busio is now when he got traded to a, like a Serie A outside. Just crazy. Um, that okay. just hurts my feelings. Yeah, I'm just so unathletic compared to that. <laughs> Portland this weekend, they actually played a night. We're one of the few teams who don't play tonight. Um, it's 645 right now on Wednesday. And so the early games have kicked off. Um, which I think can only can only help us, you know. Um, we we play them at home on Saturday. Uh, gotta get gotta get three points, right? I mean, at this point, until we're, you know, just a couple points behind the, the front three, I think all of them are must win games at home for sure. Um, they won last weekend. They beat Dallas at home one nothing on a Jeremy Abobasi goal, which was really pretty, by the way. He must have heard me say that I was unimpressed with him because he hammered that one home. Uh, how we feeling? How we feeling about Minnesota United playing Portland Timbers at beautiful Allianz Stadium Field? Allianz well, Field. Well, first off, 
they're they're playing extra time darlings LAFC, which Trash. has huge implications. <laughs> what comes tomorrow? The trash. Uh, tomorrow's Thursday for everyone who's not aware that we're recording on a Wednesday. That was a jump. I'm sorry. That was an Evil Knievel style leap. But um, no, so LAFC full of them tonight. I'm I'm on it. I'm feeling the juice tonight, baby. So LAFC is in fifth. We are in sixth in the Western Conference, and Portland Timbers is in seventh. So LAFC has 21 points. We have 18. Portland has 16. If Portland Timbers beats LAFC, they'll have 19 points. They'll leapfrog us. But then if we can beat Portland, we'll have 21 and be in the mix for that five or six spot, which would be awesome. So tonight you should be cheering for the Portland Timbers. And I then usually do. On, yeah, true, true. Yeah, you're uh, plastic, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> I had like no there's... reason for saying that. I take it back. That was so rude. Yeah, man. I apologize. Leave me alone. All right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, no, but so we should be cheering for Portland like Alex does reasonably because he's been a Portland fan for a while. Or a side fan, right? Side boo. It's your side. Well, they were before we had a team. They were my MLS team for sure. Yeah. Okay. Fair. So no, no hate, no plastic. I'm sorry I said that. But then if we beat Portland, we jump up real nice. So um, how do I feel about the game against Portland? I think it's going to be spicy. That's mm. actually on my birthday. Uh, I am turning 29, so on the precipice of 30. So um, already I feel my demise inching towards me day by day by day if portland wins on my birthday i will be an inconsolable wreck if portland loses and the loons win i will be uh unbearable on all facets of social media interpersonal communication anything so uh very excited for the game alex how yeah. do you feel about our chances beating portland i feel good about our chances right now i feel good about almost all of the games going into them um because if we just play the way we can we'll be fine um once the game starts about 10 minutes in is when i kind of begin to to decide how i really feel um but i think we're i think we got it you know again that the front four is going to continue to work together um it'll be interesting to see if we play franco fragapani i'm assuming we will um you know the Everything that happened there obviously kind of came to a no decision. So the only reason we wouldn't play him is was just kind of out of respect or to avoid any type of like, you know, head hunting. Um, but at this point, I would assume we'd see, you know, him play. Boxy's getting healthier, it sounds like, but he probably Give won't be Give me your back. personal opinion. Mm. Do you think they should sit Franco? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Unless you think that they're gonna like go head hunting for him, um, but you know I don't think that there's any type of like respect thing that needs to be done because you know we don't know what happened. So I think that if you see him, you're admitting that you don't think he's telling the truth, and if he's saying that he didn't say anything, then I think you have to believe your player. I agree. I think we're definitely on the same page with that. I, I think that it's a tricky point of any sitting or pulling a player is implying that you agree that that player probably isn't telling the truth so then at that point why do we have the player on the team if we think he said something bad 
Right. So if we don't think he did the thing, which clearly the front office and it sounds like every other report has said it's inconclusive, I I don't see why they wouldn't start him personally. Yeah. So I think I think I think that's going to be yeah I think we get three points for sure you know they're coming off a midweek game um, they're on the road you know they're a little depleted with some of the national team call ups you know beating Dallas one nothing at home isn't great I mean we've done that but at the same time like you that definitely isn't great um, and I'm hopeful that another week of the front four working together will um, kind of put us over the edge maybe Abila comes back and is ready to prove that he's got uh, you know he has got something to offer. I agree. I'm ready for it. How you feel what about you your fantasy that, lineup this week? I don't even want to talk about it. You talk about your fantasy team. You my up? fantasy team. I'm playing below. Ari this I'm week. I'm 26th, or no, 23rd out of 26. Like, I'm not a bottom feeder, but when you, f- like, factor in the fact that I think it was Jake uh, has been locked out of his account, that's the 26th ranked person, I'm really 23rd out of 25th. So I am just garbage at this. Um I got nothing more to say. Yeah. I'm so bad. I'm, I'm so playing. Bad. I've, I've been on a good win streak. I think I, I don't think I've. I actually had a tie mixed in there, so I haven't lost in a couple. Um, but I'm playing Ari this week, so it'll probably end up being a loss. But who knows? Maybe just like Minnesota stopped the Seattle win streak, I'm ready to stop Ari's win streak. Uh, the lineups came out. Like I said, I know for sure that my Red Bulls midfielder is not in the starting eleven. Um, but since it's a two-game week, I decided to leave him because I do feel the best about him. And also, we're in the middle of recording right now, so I couldn't do all the changing that would need to be done. Um, but I'm getting there, man. I'm getting there. And I'm feeling good. About, I like two-game weeks because it's a little, little, little more fun. Um, all right. We are at 98 minutes, 99 of real recording time. We haven't gotten to our listener questions. So we do a little Should rapid we- fire to, to get through a, a couple of them here. I don't want to not sh- answer them at all because... We gotta we gotta put more respect on our listeners. You know they they worked hard for these questions. They do work hard. So Alex, I'm gonna rapid fire them out to you. We'll both respond quickly. Got it. So I'm gonna go from bottom to top. Okay. So number one, logs or logs. I guess I don't know which one. Uh, logs. At f- well, you don't know. Maybe it is logs. I hang out with him literally at Flack, four times yeah. a week. <laughs> yeah. Well, tell him. Tell him it's logs. Uh, did Trap prove we needed him more than we had expected? Alex, you go. Yes. Absolutely yes. I think 100%. Clearly, his ability to get those long diagonal passes to build the offense out of the back is what Adrian is trying to do. Uh, not just out of the wings, which, you know, we like seeing Chase and Metonier bring the ball up, but Metonier was not available. Um, I, I think Trap has proven to be a fantastic signing in the offseason especially on a free transfer yeah and i think coming out of last week's game when he didn't play we said we noticed that he was missing and then this week when he was in i think i noticed his play playing well so 100 percent, yes next it's the same sam but different at he is himself says since the dots and trap pairing is clearly the best way forward how much do you think we will see of jan for the rest of the season does he even have a role to play now also, what's the official dummy run routine for helping get your voice back after a match? Asking for myself. I think Jan plays an extremely limited role going forward, um, unless he can turn his form around and start playing the way that um, we all know he can. It's weird to not be playing a DP more than you are, but right now you just can't argue with the fact that Trap or that Dotson and Trap are the better pairing right now. Um, getting your voice back, I don't know, man. This is my first time losing it in like a couple, you know, whatever, a couple of years. 
uh, I just roll with it, you know, let that raspy voice just kind of take you home. Yeah, I would agree. I think um, you just have to embrace the rasp, you know, there's no reason to get your voice back. You just let it happen. You know, it's, it's a good excuse to sound mysterious, especially if you don't tell your friends or coworkers why you have a raspy voice. Um, what do we see from Jan? I think Alex is correct. He has to find a way. Unfortunately, he's in a bad position because we don't have like the open cup to balance the stuff out where he could get some, some play time through the open cup. He has to find a way to play very, very well in practice to earn that spot back or in a substitution role, earn that spot back, which it credit to Dotson. Dotson has played so, so well. So I don't know how to get Jan back in the lineup, but you know, that's sucky for Jan. Cause I like him a lot. It's good for the team. The fact that Jan Gregush, a good player who was in the Euros is our bench player is a very good indication for the team. Uh, TK at ton seven says as players from France have taken up to six weeks to get their green cards, how worth it is having Romain possibly out that long. Also no shade on DJ Taylor. He's doing great. Thank you for the postscript. We agree. <laughs> Go DJ. Uh, Alex, what do you think? Yeah, I think if you're going to, well, first off, I mean, I think it's just great. I'm sure these players like having the green card, right? Like I think that makes their life easier. Um, and if they want to stay here afterwards, whatever, that's obviously, I think that helps them. Um, but opening up international roster spots is great. Um, we can even start selling those international roster spots. Um, so I think if, if it's something that can be done, um, I'm all for it. And again, it you know, it, it feels long in the moment. But with how long this season is, if, if you can get to the end and start bringing in a piece here in the next whatever two weeks that you wouldn't have been able to or sell it and whatever that ends up looking like, um, I think it's worth it. I think so as well. I think it's it's a domino effect that benefits the team, especially because we've gotten a chance to see how well DJ Taylor is or how well he's been playing and how good he is. It also is a bit of um, luck because if DJ Taylor would have been terrible and we would have lost a couple of those games with him in, we would be saying a different thing. But he's been very well. He's been very well. He's been playing very well. Goodness, Grant. Um, and getting him back with a green card is awesome. Plus a little rest, you know, I mean, he's 30, 31, you know, it doesn't hurt to give him a little extra time to rest and come back and, and play well. Okay. All right. I'm gonna keep moving. DHCB at D underscore H underscore C underscore B no underscore says loons lack of firepower. Is this a, these guys aren't familiar playing with each other or do we need to look at bringing in new blood i don't think we need to bring in new blood we have everything we need here it's just the chemistry the chemistry and the confidence so franco lude reynoso need to understand what they want to do together unu just needs to hit the back of the net once or twice and like alex and i have said in some messages back and forth i think we're gonna i don't know I think we're going to really see a tidal wave of goals come out of him. Alex, what do you think? Yep, I think it's just just got to get more familiar. And at this point, you're not bringing in new blood. Like, these are the four people that Heath has chosen. So I think if we're going to bring in people, it's probably going to be Heath for before any new players. I agree, 100%. And last, 
but not least. Mika Nervik, at Mika underscore Nervik. Alex, ever heard of her? Know who that is? I have. Oh, you have heard of her. She has three questions. Number one, after DJ's performance on Sunday, what excites you the most about his future with the club? Number two, were you as sad as I was that you didn't get to see a Rui Diaz goal in person on Sunday? And number three, is there truth to the Kourtney Kardashian slash Travis Scott engagement rumor? Alex, I'll let you take all three to start. Very excited. I think we've definitely found our replacement for Metonair. Yes, I was sad I didn't get to see Rui Diaz score in the most... Uh, loon supporter way i can possibly do it he's one of my favorite players in the league and it's always fun when you get to watch those people in person even if they are against your team there is truth to the kim and travis scott rumor uh engagement rumor unfortunately i'm setting the over under on their marriage at four and a half years and i'm taking the under i feel like that's ambitious i don't know i i don't trust uh celebrity engagements or marriages uh after dj's performance I, i'm excited about his future just both defense, I, I can't hone down on one thing because I think he offers a lot going forward. And I also think he provides a lot of defensive coverages going back. He's very quick. He seems very sturdy. He's smart defensively. He's got good pace, good physicality. Um, I'm just excited about the entire package. I'm not sad about missing a Rui Diaz goal because I wasn't there in person. So that seems like she was just sending that to you, Alex. So, you know, I won't, I don't even address it. I didn't know Courtney Kardashian and Travis Scott were engaged, but at this point, I feel like every Kardashian life update is just for publicity. So, you know, expect a McDonald's Kardashian Travis Scott uh, Happy Meal deal to come out soon, just like they had with, you know, whatever Travis Scott's last. Uh, album or you know whatever they had the like travis scott meal you know what i'm talking about oh yeah i'm following where you it. had to like ask for a cactus jack or mm-hmm. whatever yep so did you order that alex no it was you... like really expensive wasn't it or no, no i mean you, just... they, they had like a limited run of toys or something weird yeah I, I don't, yeah, yeah it's, I don't, weird, it's mcdonald's it's really thing. expensive what's really expensive yeah. for mcdonald's all right we got through the questions we got through everything. It's this is a very long episode. I'm gonna have to figure out what to cut out stuff. We are at don't cut basically. Out. We are basically at two hours of real record time at this point. So <laughs> I'm gonna have to figure out how we cut down. And uh, I guess if you're listening to this, you can look at the clicker and see how much I was able to cut out. Uh, if one of your Alex and I started missing, this one saying that we were gonna make it a quick one. Yeah. If if one of your <laughs> questions is missing and you asked one, that means that you got cut because we did actually run through all the questions. Uh, all right. Games tonight, game on Saturday. Gotta win it. Until next week, go win. Go win.